0: It's The Earth Wants You here in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Reverend Billy with my co-host, the illustrious Savitri D. Hello, Savitri.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Amen. And here we are in November of 2018, and we have the apocalypse raging in California. That's right. People trying to heal, trying to start their lives over again. Indonesia, and the panhandle of Florida and Georgia, and the Carolinas, people struggling with with droughts and earthquakes and landslides, mm. and shifting jet streams, mm. and the big currents that drive the engine of the ocean shifting. We're in the middle of it right now.
1: That's right. It's happening. And there are columns of people walking long distances, right? We have a caravan of migrants moving from Mexico City to the California border now, 1,600 miles, many of them climate refugees, unable to grow food in their uh, homeland any longer.
0: And it's remarkable that uh, in interviews with some of the people in in the caravan coming from Honduras, how much faith people place in an idea of decency, of common sense, uh, we will survive together. I can't be back there. I'm gonna. Be, I'm gonna be killed. Mm. Uh, and and the the American, uh, I should say, the government of the United States. They are Americans. The United States government just doesn't come into those conversations. The well, the threats from from um, Donald Trump don't really have credibility with these people.
1: Well, or you hear them say, you know what? Whatever it is, it's better than that. Whatever it is, whatever it is I'm going to face, whatever detention or deportation or danger or isolation or alienation I'm going to face, it's better than where I'm coming from, which you know should shed some light on the situation they are emerging from. Well, right? Donald
0: Trump is just so fantastic. He's just so, so, uh, such a liar on such a, uh, calling the California fires and that, that, Plays in the soul of people from Central America because California f- was, for most of its history, uh, uh, in the colonial times, a, a Spanish place, mm. and the the uh, uh, to call the the fires in California the fault of. Uh, substandard forest management, and then <laughs> and then to threaten the forest professionals out there. Wow, it's just laughable. risking their lives every it's just day. Just laughable. With with losing their funding because they've done such a bad job. He's like back in his reality show. You're fired.
1: He he he's uh, loco. So they hear him
0: talking that way.
1: Well, I don't. And need how any... can
0: they possibly lend credence to him? He's like a fictional character. Well, I
1: I think I'm most disturbed by also the events that took place in Europe uh, this week at this incredible gathering of world leaders around the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day, which is, you know, you cannot have any knowledge of history and not feel the the miracle of Armistice, the miracle of the end of that great war, which was so, so deadly, deadly, twenty million people dead, and. Anyway, we don't have to go through all its details, but only to say that incredible that you could throw acid on that event and not just stand there and, and honor those lives and, and the and the work of peace. It's unbelievable to me.
0: Well, we, we are now in a nation state right here, the United States, mm. uh, which is um, normalized, normalized, for its consumer citizens, Mm. normalized the idea of permanent war.
1: Yes, we have.
0: The permanent wars were started after the 9-11 disaster. Mm. Uh, uh, They started with wars that were fictionalized, once again, made up out of whole cloth, created by advertising executives and uh, the Bush and Cheney time. And they persuaded the American public that Saddam Hussein flew those airplanes into the towers, and now we, we just have a kind of a rash of wars across uh, from Afghanistan on the east to Somalia and Yemen on the west. Oh, and
1: Afghanistan it's getting worse again. We thought it was getting better. It's getting worse again. We cannot stop fighting. We cannot stop killing. We cannot stop bombing. What is wrong? What is wrong? And, I, I you know, the soul-searching, you can't search deep enough at this point. So... L- Let's all of us just spend a minute here thinking about peace uh, in whatever way you want to. We'll listen to the beautiful music of Eric Satie.
0: And that is a song that leaves us, despite what's happening around the world, with a moment of peace, doesn't it? But let's go and face uh, what has happened to our lovely earth, to our fellow human beings, our life that we're living together in this extraordinary time. Let's go to News from the Natural World.
1: Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. According to a United Nations report, the Earth's protective ozone layer has been healing at a rate of around 2% since 2000 and could be completely healed by the middle of the century. The success has been attributed to the historic 1987 Montreal Protocol's ban on chlorofluorocarbons and other ozone-depleting substances. Phillips 66 and Bridger Pipeline have announced preliminary plans for a new pipeline to transport Bakken crude oil to Corpus Christi, Texas. The proposed Liberty Pipeline, Liberty Pipeline, (coughs) would transport 350,000 barrels of oil per day from the Bakken and Rockies production areas. Despite years of claims about clean investment, the world's largest oil companies have contributed just 1% to green energy in 2018. Fast rising demand for air conditioning is adding to global warming. The numbers are striking. With window units set to more than triple by 2050, home air conditioning is on place to add half a degree Celsius to global warming this century wind turbines generated the equivalent of 98 percent of all scotland's electricity demand in october amen yeah scientists analyzed more than 500 small particles pulled from the air around three busy german highways and found that the vast majority 89 percent of them came from vehicle tires brake systems and the roads themselves Altogether, these particles are classified by the researchers as microplastics, and though they include materials other than plastic. Those particles get blown by wind and washed by rain into waterways that lead to the ocean, where the debris can harm aquatic animals and fragile ecosystems. Previous research has estimated that about 30% of the volume of microplastics polluting oceans, lakes, and rivers comes from...
0: The highways.
1: Tires. Tire wear. New findings indicate that at current deforestation rates, all of Haiti's primary forest will be gone within the next two decades, leading to the loss of most of the country's endemic species. And scientists at Los Alamos National Laboratory have said it is highly likely New Mexico will lose the vast majority of its forests by 2050. My home state, people, this is going to make me cry. In addition to Santa Fe National Forest, Carson National Forest is at high risk of massive tree mortality by 2027. It is as if the forest is succumbing to an illness, says Teresa Seamster, chairwoman of the Sierra Club in that area. The illness is the change, the heat, and the lack of moisture, she says, adding that it is hard to put the magnitude of the loss into words. And I can assure you that is true. I know those forests very well. Chief Executive Officer Werner Baumann of Bayer defended Roundup's key ingredient glyphosate after a judge last month upheld a jury's verdict that it contributed to a dying groundskeeper's cancer, saying its safety is backed by more than 800 scientific studies. We've decided to defend ourselves by every means available because glyphosate is a fully safe and good product when properly used, he said. The number of Roundup plaintiffs has increased to about 9,300. Exposure to neonicotinoid compounds, the world's most commonly used insecticides, directly impacts the social behavior of bumblebees, causing them to be less active and critically less likely to care for or feed their larvae. And the city of Baltimore voted overwhelmingly Tuesday to ban the privatization of its water and sewerage systems in what supporters say is the first large US jurisdiction to take such a step. Around 77% of more than 148,000 voters backed a proposal to alter the city's charter to declare the inalienability of its sewage and water supply systems. Amen. The measure sends a strong message to private corporations. Uh, Researchers from the Medical University of Vienna and the Environment Agency Austria monitored eight people in eight different countries and found that every single stool sample collected tested positive for the presence of microplastics. Food processing and plastic food packaging are major sources of microplastics in human diets. Microplastics can also enter the human food chain via marine animals that people consume. Significant amounts of microplastics have been found in lobster, shrimp, and tuna, Oh my the researchers God. found nine different types of plastic in the human stools they tested, shipped to Vienna in plastic-free containers to be screened there, with an average of 20 microplastic particles ranging in size from 50 to 500 micrometers found in every 10 grams of stool. That's you and me, people. Plastic all through us, the hyper-arid core of the Atacama Desert, the driest and oldest desert on Earth, has experienced a number of highly unusual rain events over the past three years resulting in the formation of previously unrecorded hypersaline lagoons which have lasted several months. The Atacama Desert has remained arid for the past 150 million years and hyper-arid for the past 15 million years. It's so arid there that people don't have roofs on their houses. Okay, a federal judge ruled that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service violated the Endangered Species Act when it rolled back protections for the critically endangered red wolves living in eastern North Carolina. Hallelujah. And CoverGirl (laughs) Cosmetics on Monday became the biggest makeup brand to go cruelty-free and completely eliminate animal testing. Whaling vessels from Japan have set out to take over 300 Antarctic mink whales beginning next month. That's why you need to go give money to the sea shepherds today. (laughs) They are the only thing between those Japanese whaling vessels and those whales. Approximately 500 billion cups of coffee are consumed worldwide each year. There, my friends, the the news from the natural world, uh, decidedly terrible news with a few little glimmers of change.
0: The scale right now, the scale of devastation, to life, to ecosystems, I know is is. Uh, uh. I feel as if I feel as if we're starting the culture over, or I feel as if we have to. We must. We must do the 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 current culture of the arts of the, the culture of the built environment how we relate uh, to each other in public space it just seems the so basic puny. things have got to change
1: yeah it just seems so tiny and puny um, compared to it right like we're not responding appropriately we're not
0: really involved at this point we're very passive
1: or we're we're not able to generate enough people to be involved in a in a super direct way or we're fighting on so many fronts now and you know this is why this time is so terrifying it's because you know on the one hand you got to keep the you want to fight for gun control so that the, you know, the kids in the school can be safe and you want to fight for i mean just where do you even start but the earth the is earth. all
0: the issues the earth is the mother of <sighs> all oh <sighs> All these all these challenges we have need to be integrated into life itself as the cause.
1: We don't mean to burden you with our despair. Right now we're going to call Tom Price, who's in California and has been up there to paradise, and he's going to talk to us about what's going on out there. Now, Tom Price is a longtime environmentalist. He's worked in many, many places uh, He's done a lot of relief work. He was a co-founder of Burners Without Borders that did a lot of work right after Katrina Uh, in New Orleans. He spends time in Africa working, doing development projects, trying to uh, curb deforestation there. Uh, Tom is a knowledgeable and wonderful man, and uh, a a good friend of this family. So uh, we're going to call him right now.
0: Tom Price, in Oakland, California.
1: Welcome back to The Earth Wants You. We are here with Tom Price. Tom, welcome to The Earth Wants You.
0: Good to be here. Amen, Tom.
1: We always start by asking our listeners, I mean our visitors, what your favorite place on Earth is.
0: (laughs) What a
2: great question. Uh, I don't think I have one, um, because there are a lot, um, but it would probably be somewhere in southern Utah.
1: Southern Utah, you've Uh, done a lot of work down there, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I grew up here.
1: And so, how are you feeling about the new uh, limits on the Grand Staircase and Escalante?
2: They are a temporary anomaly that will be undone. The land is timeless; it can handle the cheeto for a few minutes.
1: <laughs> wow, that's encouraging. Thanks, well, Tom. Well,
2: it's important to understand the it's important to understand the context. I was personally there doing advance for President Clinton. <clears throat> when he signed the Declaration for the Grand Staircase at the National Monument to stop the coal mine that was planned for that area. And the group that I worked for at the time, the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance, in its 30 years of existence, has preserved 96% of the wilderness quality land in Southern Utah. Wow. The fight is, no, easy, but there least, Well, we may not be winning, but we're not losing.
0: Well, that's very encouraging, 96%. Our friend Tim DeChristopher... Um as an oil executive and inserted himself into the auction in the last months of the Bush administration and uh, bought, um, I don't know, was it 40,000 acres or something? Uh, he
1: that. bought leases on uh, gas and oil leases.
0: And uh, did not have the money at the time.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they're they're refusing to sell uh, to my friend, Terry Williams, the leases that she bought, she has the money and she wants to pay for
1: them. Wow. Yeah. Well, they sometimes won't let people buy the money if they know, um, buy the leases, if they know they aren't going to use them the way they want them to use them. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. Um, so Tom, you are in Berkeley and, uh, you are in the middle of a hell storm over there in California. Can you talk to us about the fires, please?
2: So California is in the midst right now of the worst wildfires we've ever seen, which is saying something. There are currently five. The largest, the campfire, is already the largest and deadliest in California history. It's killed at least 42 people, but we know there are hundreds more missing who were likely killed. To understand why the fires are so bad, it's important to understand a little bit about California's geography. So if you'll bear with me, I'll give you just a quick lesson. Great. The Central Valley of Cal- California is the largest contiguous piece of prime A1 agricultural real estate on the earth anywhere. It's several hundred miles long. It's 30 miles wide. It's big basin full of millions of years of alluvial soil out of the Sierra Nevada Mountains. And the only way uh, moisture gets to it from the ocean is through the Golden Gate Bridge off the Sacramento Valley. As the Central Valley heats up, it draws cold air off the ocean. And that's why we have fog in San Francisco. That's why March Rain said the coldest winter I ever since the summer in San Francisco because it's a foggy year. Now, what's happened is because of climate change, the monsoon rains that always come in October and stay through spring haven't come yet. It's now middle of November. It's the town of Paradise and surrounding communities should have received five inches of rain by now. And there has been nothing since April. So it's unbelievably dry up there. And so you combine really, really dry land with a spark, and that's all it took. I I met some people up there the other day, and, you know, at 6 o'clock Thursday morning, there was no fire by... Thursday night, the town of Paradise didn't exist anymore.
1: You went up there. Why did you go up there, Tom?
2: Well, well, I mean, a a town of 27,000 people was rendered homeless overnight. And uh, I've been through enough disasters in my life to know how disorienting and upsetting it is to be in a situation like that. I happen to have a camping trailer that I'm not planning to use till spring, so I just hooked it up. And drove up there to find somebody to loan it to until spring.
1: Mm -hmm. And did you find somebody? Yes.
2: Um, uh, A guy named Dwayne Daniels and his wife, uh, you know, retirees living in paradise with their uh, in-laws and their children and grandchildren all around them. Dwayne described literally running for their life. Wow. There were so many cars trying to leave that community all at once. They were in their car with the motor running for an hour.
1: Wow. They we... got
2: out of their cars, and the police had them hide inside a Walgreens while the town burned down around them.
1: So they did a burnover in a Walgreens?
2: Yeah, the police broke in and put people inside it because the Walgreens is in the middle of a big parking lot. Right. Wow. Um, but they're expecting find hundreds of bodies.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. And what about the animals? What's going on with the wildlife up there?
2: This is horse country, cattle, not cattle, but horse country. Mm -hmm. Um, There's lots of reports of horses being um, evacuated, animals uh, burned. When the Cal Fire was finally able to get in, they had to send a bulldozer up the road push all the abandoned and burned out cars out of the way mm. it was like that highway in Iraq
1: mm. at the
2: end of the Gulf War mm. it was just one destroyed vehicle after another
1: Right,
2: a city of tens of thousands of people with grocery stores and, and knickknack knack shots and a police station and a post office and a second-hand store and a library and a school it's all gone in one day
3: all gone
0: tom do you ever uh take a glimpse down the road 10 or 20 or 30 years do you see an idea of the future in california
2: it's tough billy because california Prides itself on being the place where the future is invented. We've always imagined a better world that can be in just a little while around the corner. Some other way to some way to invent, reinvent ourselves,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? That's, mm-hmm. that's who we are. Um, and we'll do that again, but the climate is changing dramatically. We are going to have to move millions of people out of the foothills and down into the flatlands and build new cities for them mm-hmm. because it won't be possible for them to stay there. Uh, in last several years ago, I was working on forest policy in California, and just from the change in climate, which has allowed the pine bark beetles to infest our pine forest, there are 130 million dead pine seeds and in California already. That's enough to go oh to the moon God. and back eight times. Something like 85% of the pine trees in the southern Sierra Forest are dead.
1: Now listen, listeners, you got to really imagine what Tom's talking about here. So when you, if any of you have ever flown over California and you suddenly are flying over those mountains and they're that wonderful uh, green color, it's not like a lush dark green, it's like a kind of sagey green color. Those are the those are the pine trees he's talking about. And you know, you can fly over them for an hour or more. So uh, yeah. that's it. That's all standing dead now.
2: And so California's doing so many great things. We just committed to use 100% renewable energy by 2030, I believe. Um, we're making incredible strides, um, doing a lot of the right things. But uh, a changing climate doesn't listen to any of that.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And right now, you and your family are home because the air is so bad, even where you are, which is like 100 miles from that fire, right? Um,
2: we're, we're 150 miles away, and it. Um, I've been to New Delhi. It looks like New Delhi outside.
1: Oh, wow. And are you wearing masks when you go outside?
2: Oh, yeah. If we step up, even just to walk out the door to go to the car or whatever, we put a mask on. Because
3: oh, my God. You can
2: smell it. And here's the thing. I'm not smelling cancer. No. Um, my friend Josh Fox was in town last week, and then he went to Chico and did a show for this new, this new one-man show we had about, about the climate and so forth. And part of it was talking about the morning after 9-11 and walking through downtown Manhattan and the, the acrid burning in the back of your throat. It's we have plastic. the acrid burning in the back of our throat here, and that's because we're breathing water repair stores and department stores yeah. and carpet yep. and vinyl and formaldehyde.
1: Body. Yep. Mm, mm. Yeah. I remember that taste really well. And I also remember how many people got really sick just after nine 11, really sick. And some of them are still sick. Our friend, our friend, Michael, he, he lost the ability to swallow. And to this day, he has to take a sip of water with every bite of food.
0: We're carrying that around in our bodies.
1: Yes, we are. Oh, I feel. I mean, California. I'm very sorry for what's happening there, Tom. I really have no words. You know, it's a second home for us. Like, not a literal second home, but it's a place where we have deep roots and family, both of us. And, mm. um, but I have spent so much time. And well, aside from all that, it's just some of the most beautiful land in the world. You know, we know that it's just unbelievable. And
2: it's happening, of course. Um, I mean, this. I'm just talking about the campfire up here. But I'm not talking at all about the Woolsey fire, which is currently burning Malibu oh, yeah. to the ground. I know.
1: Wow, unbelievable. You spend time in Africa. Tell me, tell us. Like, for me, it's it's interesting in the U S. When these like Malibu is a great example. You know, we we think of these as like citadels of 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 uh, of good fortune, right? Malibu is like a place where the stars have lived for decades, and it seems amazing. Right? also that a place that sits on the ocean the way Malibu does could burn. Um, but contrast that, if you would, with your experiences, say, in Rwanda, where you've been spending a lot of time recently, and and, and what, what pain looks like there, right? Like, what are the things we're dealing with here, and, and how are we going to find common ground uh, so that we can work kind of more globally on this and not just respond to these dramatic local events over and over and over again?
2: The thing that gives me hope is I believe we are at an inflection point for an understanding of a global consciousness. In that, there is no there anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Here is there. When I was talking with those people up in up the other day up by the campfire, um, I had mentioned to them this is what climate change looks like, and they were like, "Yep, yep, this is." Mm-hmm. And I knew they were. I knew they were conservative Republicans because I know how many people voted for Trump up there. That is absolute rock-ribbed, deep MAGA hat Trump country. Mm. And rural America is going to suffer first and the most inclined. Yeah. And those that continue to deny it are are going to pay a price for that. But my point is that there's no – there's no – there's no – there's no –
3: no,
2: Mm-hmm. There's no place that is free from climate change now, mm-hmm. and and that awareness I think is growing quickly. think like you mentioned I spent a lot of time in Africa. I worked there, and um, I I did a film there this year about uh, the rains. They have a rainy season that comes twice a year. It's very defined every single year. It's exactly the same. Well, this year the rainy season just didn't end. It just kept raining,
1: wow.
2: and there were thousands of landslides. It killed hundreds of people. Wow, because it just didn't stop raining.
1: Yeah, that's what happens in the mountains when it rains. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, Tom. I mean, it's hard not to just end at this. Like, we get derailed by just like the 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 immensity of the crisis, you know. And it's not necessarily that I think we need to find hope in the crisis. It's more we do need to find uh, each other in the crisis, right? Which is how you started out this interview, talking about how. People find each other, and they make these amazing communities. And they make change together, and they recreate uh, demo- democracy and 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 uh, kind of governance, you know, from the ground up. And and there is incredible opportunity in that. We know that.
0: I don't. I don't hear uh, national leaders. I don't hear uh, multinational business leaders. I don't. I don't hear people who are spokespersons for the big institutions, I just don't hear voices coming from them about what is happening um, in our communities from these disasters. There's a kind of silence. You know what I mean, Tom?
2: It is difficult to talk about something that has such an existential threat level to it. Uh-huh. When you talk honestly about climate change very quickly it becomes
0: apocalyptic. Uh-huh.
2: And that's hard for someone <laughs> <laughs> He's wrapped up.
1: That well, th- smoke is this is interview yeah. is coming
0: I'll to a <laughs> <laughs> it's conclusion. Yeah, sorry. With no, our don't interviewee be sorry. Uh, inhaling the uh, vinyl carpeting uh, in uh, out in the Bay Area. It's
1: so real. It's so real people.
0: We need to have uh, those new voices. Uh, we, we look at uh, the media, we look at history, and we think of Nelson Mandela and Winston Churchill. We think of people who faced um, violence on a scale that no one was used to at the time. And I don't hear that right now. It's going to come from these communities. It's going to come from you and I.
2: It is. I will take salt in one thing. The very first time Alexandria Castro Cortez visited Nancy Pelosi's office was today with a bunch of students who occupied it to protest about
0: climate change. Right on. All right. All right. That's a good way to meet oh. Nancy Pelosi.
1: The Bronx, the <laughs> Bronx, representing. Yeah.
0: The Bronx shows up. Um,
1: Tom, listen. Take care of yourself. Our love to your family. Thank you so much for your for work.
0: Talking with us today. For leaving but your
1: trailer up there with perfect strangers. Um, keep us posted. And uh, if there is there some way people can help from a distance, is there some place they can? Send funds or donation. I mean, I know yeah, in America just, we always end up sending way too much stuff. So what what can people do? Don't
2: send any stuff. You no, know, people should send money and gift cards. There are plenty of, of organizations that up. I I heard this morning that that the. They're already buried five foot deep in warehouses of donated clothing. Don't send clothes. Send money.
1: <laughs> okay, send. All don't right. send clothes. Make a note of that. Unless they're really nice. No, <laughs> don't send clothes. Uh, Tom, take care of yourself. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you, Tom Good
0: Price. You guys. In Oakland, California. Thank you, Tom. <laughs>
1: That's a great song. Sobering. You sound great in that song, Billy. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: hallelujah. It's, it's the age of extinction.
1: I want to shout out to Neil Young because sixth extinction. we sang that song on stage with him, and, uh, and his house burned in Malibu two days ago on his birthday, I think.
0: And he submitted, he and Daryl Hannah submitted a statement that was in The in the Guardian about Trump's statement that forest management is the, you know, bad forest management is causing the California fires. I think the last time there was lots of California fires, he blamed terrorist environmentalists, Democrats. (laughs) He blamed Democrats. Now this time it's, uh, you know, people who are just doing the very best they can every day you don't, no, it's you capitalism. Don't get any support, get we want to blame their...
1: capitalism for climate change.
0: Let's just let that out of the closet. Yeah, capitalism's the reason we have uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have the the uh, sobering feeling of of Tom Price's interview. Uh, the uh, talking to someone down inside of and. An unforgiving disaster. Uh, Who we just went up to Paradise, California, and uh, gave away his recreational vehicle that he had to spare. Towed it up there and found the right people for it. The feeling that I have after talking to Tom is this: um, this power that is coming from within the disaster is unnamed um it's the major personality here it's the it's th- the player it's in the spotlight it's 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 the fires
1: it's the thing we have to pay attention to it's the thing we have to pay attention to we
0: we th- we we keep um describing the results of the people in paradise trying to get out in their cars and um, becoming um, caught in the conflagration, Uh, families just burning to death. And then that becomes a scandal. That becomes a scandal that drives the media and then gets us to the next advertisement. But, But there's... We are on the hunt for the spiritual life language we're not earth. on the
1: hunt for a spiritual language we're not hunting for it
0: new word was that the wrong metaphor yes
1: yes these things matter we're not on a hunt
0: I don't want to use the word search I don't want to use the word praying I don't want to
1: I have an idea let's listen to the drums of revolution
4: that'll help us a lot right there let's go to the drums Welcome to Activist News, Drums of Revolution. As some of you may know, I have temporarily been relocated to the island of Ireland due to, let's say, and I'll be doing my best to sound diplomatic here, heightened restrictions on the flexibility of inhabiting the United States in the capacity as a non-citizen. But have no fear, folks, this won't affect the radio segment. Activist drums continue across the water to quote Ravi Ragbir on the steps of 26 Federal Building. You can't deport a radio segment. At least I think that's what he said. This week's Drums of Revolution are the Jally Kunda drummers of Senegal. This week for Drums of Revolution, I went to Cork City with my brother to help out at the Student Activist Network, which he's helping set up. If you don't know Cork, it's the place where the people talk in a slightly funnier accent than mine. By way of an example, here's Ben. Okay, I need someone to just describe the weekend. Okay, so we got activists from all over the country, um, Northern Ireland and the Republic. Um, everyone came down and collected in Cork for the full weekend. We got through, I think, about five or six different workshops. We had different intro talks with loads of different people from the Cork activist scene. So there's a lot of, you know, intersectionality between different campaigns, so people can talk to each other about what they're doing, how they can help each other, um, and expand those kind of community networks. But it's just a great w- way of people meeting, you know, like-minded people. The crowd was as diverse as an Irish crowd could be, and by that I mean, not very diverse, but the issues were diverse. I went around poking the microphone into people's faces, asking jarring questions like, what's your name and where are you from? My name is Owen Chance. I'm
2: from Jamaica, but I'm in Monaghan direct provision at this time. And my main activism is working with migrants and also uh, asylum seekers in Ireland to end direct provision.
1: And um, my name is Carolina. I'm from Meath, and uh, my main activism this year is direct provision and helping elevate the voices of people
3: in direct provision. My name
4: is Niels. I'm from Dublin, and my uh, main interests are the areas of climate justice and um, refugee and migrant salt My name is Shafra, I'm from Dublin, and my main activism is environmentalism. Uh, my name is Julie, I'm from Cork, and my main activism is the environment. I'm very passionate about the environment. Can I ask you um, why Ireland needs a Student Activist Network? Ireland has got such a strong history of activism, and we've always had a really, really strong history of activism. It's just something that I think is you know our people take to really naturally. So I think it's a really good idea to kind of bring all those different activists together, um, and encourage people who might not, um, you know, have any background in that area. So I think right now, when we're seeing like the housing crisis, we're seeing a lot of direct provision activism take off. We're seeing a lot of environmental activism take off, all in the wake of appeal and the game rights referendum. I, you know, I think that's just people being empowered, and I think that's just people realising the effect that they can have when they uh, work together and kind of apply themselves. This weekend was one of those activist training workshop weekends where activists teach activists how to be activists. That's hard to say. Savage 3D does these kind of trainings, so make sure you listen to the show to see when the next one is on. They are everywhere and look boring from the outside and sometimes from the inside as well, but they are vitally important. Every time for me, it's like getting into the cold Irish sea. I don't want to do it, but when I do, I feel great afterwards. It is such a good way to dust off the boots or a spark to get involved. Go find out where these trainings are going on in your local communities. Trust me, they are there. Just look. Notice boards, cork boards, local libraries, community centres. There are fights happening all over the place and all you have to do is get involved that's how easy it is just get involved just do it. It's so easy. It's like buying a coffee. Have you ever bought a coffee? That's how easy it is. A group I'd like to highlight who helped in setting up the Student Activist Network in Ireland are People and Planet, who are the largest student activist network in the UK and, after the Lesbian Avengers Handbook, have the best handbook or pamphlet on activism in town. I spoke to Chris from People and Planet. Why should someone get involved in activism? Uh, You should get involved in activism because there are so many things wrong with the world right now. I mean, I'm here in Ireland at the moment but you just have to look both sides of the water to what's going on in the US with Trump or or in the UK with Brexit and everything else, there's so many issues that need tackling. Every person can play a role, whether it's the people who are on the front sli- front lines with megaphones, whether it's the people painting the banners or cooking the food or everything that's involved, like there's a role for you and there's a, there's a role you can play in making change. And to me, that's really exciting and I hope it's really exciting to you too.
1: Welcome back to The Earth Wants You. I'm Savitri D. with Reverend Billy. We're here in Brooklyn, New York. And I want to invite you all to our upcoming run of shows at Joe's Pub at The Public. Starting uh, Thanksgiving weekend on Sundays at 2. Please come. And if you have friends in New York, send them. We really do rely on word of mouth. We are a small little scrappy theater group and activist group and radio group. We need your help. So Tell your friends in New York to come. And if you live in New York, please come and bring a bunch of people with you. we got $10 tickets.
0: Plug We've got tickets. <laughs> it, it might be because the Public Theater Hamilton started there and they maybe have some money this year. They they offered us a $10 ticket if you have that promotional code, which and we're going to give the you right code? now.
1: Change now. Change now. Change no now. Change now. No pause, no dash. $10 tickets to Joe's Pub, the Stop Shopping Choir, sometimes as many forty forty 40 people might be on stage. You know, we but have now, some
0: new people that just came in in the last yeah. few weeks and they're learning the songs really quickly. We Gorgeous. have this last wave of of people who have who have converted to our faith. Have you <laughs> all Earth-Aluia heard faith. of the Stop
1: Shopping Choir? Listeners, do you know about the Stop Shopping Choir? The radical performance community known as the Stop Shopping Choir. Activists. 20 years of activism and art in New York City, all over the world, every gender, every age, every race. This is an amazing group of people, who I am honored to be one of. Uh, you know, <laughs> and they get up on stage and they sing their hearts they out. They sing up.
0: They they sing up a storm, don't they? Yes, they, they do. Really do. They really do. So come on, fill the place with the come on the energy to be activists. I mean, the the, the uh, yeah, it'll inspire you a, when we have a when we have a good show, which is often enough. People leave the show. Ready to risk arrest to change the world.
1: Check it out. Because they've changed themselves. Extinction's Got Talent is up next. Today we thought we'd uh, spend time with the forest and hear the sound of a forest fire raging through a pine forest. Going through those animals, that ecosystem. I, I will for the rest of my life mourn the loss of, of my home place, the llama mountain, oh, the, the forest, which on burned Lama mountain. 20 years ago. And I can weep just north of, Taos,
0: north of Taos, New Mexico,
1: the sound of those trees and the wind above me. Somebody's home, trash
0: fire uh, mm-hmm. lost control, and, and you'll never hear those mountain. sounds
1: again. And a house can be rebuilt, but a forest oh, so much life there. So Thank you all so much for listening today. I turn it over to Rev for his uh closing sermon.
0: My thoughts um from this this hour of the earth wants you. I I'm starting to think about the the the, f- the fully engaged deadliness of the anthropocene era. Where the impact of of our predator species becomes so complete that we lose whatever ecosystem was near us in California, they're just they're just losing. They have 130 million. Tom Price told us uh, 130 million pine trees standing there dead. They're losing. They're losing their connection uh, with the earth. The of the possibility of reconnecting. If you become overcultured by capitalism or the the of of your daily business one of the things that california is famous for is you can you can you can you can get to the natural world it's in your window it's across from your backyard you can we've lived in san francisco it's uh it's nearby there it is it's looking at you you're looking at it and you're you're in you're in the world together uh, as a kind of duet, the natural world and the human being. Now that is that is becoming lost. I I remember a feeling that I had when I was a um, uh, a young a young one about the the power, the ubiquity, the the everywhereness of of the Arctic of the of the Canadian winter. I lived in South Dakota and I would have a feeling as I looked to the north when I was like 10 years old the 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 uh impregnable just mystery of these forces that I that I could never and I noticed that the parents the adults around me th- they couldn't break it down either. They could not solve the mystery of of the of the wintry north and I became gradually aware of of the the stories coming down from the Eskimos from Jack London from the the uh, the narratives that are traditional that come down out of the out of the vast snow and ice and and the the snowy owls and the white wolves uh, the uh, the the richness of the of the the response to that mystery is, is the folk art, the, the, the earthy stories which kind of go, they don't try to solve the mystery of that kind of natural power. What they do is they, they go parallel to it. They, they, the story uh, kind of dances with the mystery. Now, to lose that, and I started feeling when I, when I lived in New York, I started feeling, I started getting the reports of of the the, the Arctic, melting. Uh, started getting the reports. Of course, the tragedy of the polar bears, and the many species on the run, trying to, to adjust where they live so that they can live in something like the semblance of food and temperature, uh, the the different givens of the of the natural life around them, so that they could survive. But I had this I had this feeling, of the of the loss of that power that I knew when I went out into the night, the night sky as a child and looked up at the northern lights. I could just feel this thing to pray to, this thing just, just to silently th- regard as, as the source of life. I think about what the California people are going through right now, that that beautiful state as wave after wave of wildfire changes the place so much that they're losing they're losing that beauty that mystery that nourished them for so many years I just pray that that somehow we can come to ask that mystery that natural world that we can never solve that we can never reduce to numbers never reduced to chemicals, to ask that power to return on the promise that we will live with and from that power. hallelujah.
1: Amen. Thanks, Reverend Billy. I'm Savitri D. This is The Earth Wants You, our producer, Killian Sunderman. Thank you for listening. Please share the show with others and communicate with us. RevBilly at RevBilly.com We'll be back
3: soon.